a place of direction for me for a large part of rehearsal is coming from a place of exploration and setting that tone that we can use the space of rehearsal to explore and investigate and try and experiment, which is really what the space of a yoga class should be. Like, it really should be a space for you to just kind of see what happens if I do this with my downward dog. What happens if I do this today? You know, see what happens. You know, it's, it's, that's kind of a, a big place that I like to come from as a yoga teacher that has really infused my work now as a director and choreographer. Hey, this is Carolee Walker, a 60-year-old writer living in Washington, D.C. Recently, I had the opportunity to take a yoga class with my son, Aiden Walker, a yoga teacher and director choreographer living in New York City. During the class, I was thinking about how easy it was to understand what he wanted us to do and feel. If you've ever taken a yoga class where you're always poking your head up to see what everyone else is doing, you know how important cueing can be. I wondered about the art of cueing and asked Aiden about this. Throughout our conversation, you'll hear snippets of audio from his class. Please send me your comments and your ideas through my website at caroleewalker.com, or you can find me on Twitter at caroleewalker. My new book, Getting My Bounce Back, will be out on Valentine's Day and is available now for pre-order. So yeah, here you go, my conversation with Aiden. Hi, Aiden. Thank you so much for speaking with me this afternoon. I really appreciate it. Hi, Mom. Thank you. I'm excited. <laughs> so tell, tell me a little bit about what's going on with you right now and, uh, <laughs> and a little bit about your yoga journey. I did a 200-hour vinyasa teacher training at Yoga to the People, which is a donation-based studio uh, that started in New York and Manhattan, but they have studios around the country now. And... Uh, that was kind of my, you know, I, that was my first, like, that was, I just kind of dove in. I never had really been an avid yoga person, um, like, I wasn't going on a consistent basis. There have been times in my life when I would go frequently, but I hadn't at that point. I, I mean, it really started for me when I was in the high school, when I was training to become a professional dancer, and then once I got injuries, I had to find ways to um, rehab uh, that injury, and yoga just kind of became a really useful practice for me to continue um, moving and toning, but kind of isolating where I could like not put my weight on my body. It was my left ankle was where the injury was, so I, yoga was was good. It was good. There was stuff that I could do, stuff I couldn't do, but it was it was a good thing for me to do while I was like in rehab. So that was, that was great. I ultimately wanted to become a yoga instructor because I thought it would be good for my lifestyle as a freelance artist uh, so that I could teach classes in the morning um, and then I'd have the rest of my day to rehearsal and things like that. So it, it, was, it felt like a really useful job, which is I think why some people go into it because um, they can really make it work for, you know, some kind of a crazy life, especially being a freelance artist. Um, what were, um, when you were doing your training, your yoga training, what were some of the other students, like what, what professions were they coming from? The two people in my training who I became closest with were both social workers. Um, and both of them have now brought their yoga, like their skill as a yoga teacher into their communities where they both teach a community yoga class. Um, or something like that. I think I think old 
professionally. And there were other people in the class who were like lawyers or doctors or teachers, a lot of teachers actually, um, and a lot of artists as well. It was a big, a big, a big portion of those getting a certificate were also people just like me. What I really got out of it was a vocabulary and a skill for how to uh, empower people to really take ownership of the choices they were making with their body and, and really giving them the tools through language and through, um, through a yoga class for them to uh, really draw their focus inward and sort of decipher for themselves where they were finding discomfort and pain in their body or where they were feeling weakness and how they might lean into a pose or modify a pose to adapt for themselves. Um, and that's kind of a constant experience. Like, it's not just one class at a time, but it's like how you come back to the pose the next day or the bit next week uh, is, is just part of that continuing journey with you and your body. And as a yoga teacher, you just kind of hold that space for all those people in that room to have that experience. In what ways do you think teaching yoga has helped you uh, with a room full of people, it, whether you're directing a, a play or a performance or doing choreography and teaching choreography? Some people have this image in their mind about what a director or a choreographer is. You know, where like there's someone sitting in a chair and is just kind of pointing to people where to go and what to do and to smile and to feel this way. And you can really, like, that image of a director and a choreographer in that way is such like a puppeteer or even like a dictator. Like, people really think of directors and choreographers as dictators, um, which, which that's just kind of the stereotype or an image of it. It's not, you know, a lot of people don't work that way. But I think, I think you know, what my training in yoga offered me was it really offered me a way to really not be a dictator and to really learn how to use a certain kind of language that is more of an offer. Like you're more like offering people pathways and directions and ideas that they could choose to go towards. You're not telling them what to do, what to feel, how to do it, but you're really offering them uh, tools and you're offering them thoughts and, and, and different modifications and different versions and ways to approach uh, an experience or approach uh, a specific movement of the body that allows them to really take agency of that and, and you're just kind of providing the container for it or giving a sense of the container and they're kind of filling it up with their own personhood. And then let's find the upward push-up plank by lowering the hips to be level with the shoulders and stacking the shoulders right above the wrists. So in this pose, you're searching for more of a tabletop and less of a ramp by lifting the hips to be level with the shoulders. Inhale to press the floor away. And exhale lower halfway down by drawing the elbows in alongside the ribs. Hold this here for three, for two, for one. Tuck the toes under and inhale to send the heart and chest forward for an upward facing dog. Exhale, curl the toes, lift hips high for downward facing dog. Beautiful. The other thing too that I gained from that training and also in my experience now as a yoga teacher in tandem with my experience as a director and choreographer is that so much of the training I received was about breath. Like, so much of it is about you yourself as the person in the room speaking and leading everybody has to be breathing and has to be really in touch with your breath. And the breath that you 
to the day ahead, filling up the lungs with breath, and exhale a gentle hum. Mm -hmm. Start to just focus the mind to breath, an inhale and an exhale. I'm just drawing awareness to everything that's coming in and all that's going out. A moment to take stock of all the noise. Just noticing how Focusing the mind silences the noise. All together, let's expel the breath with the sound of an SH. Inhale to fill up. And exhale the sound of an HA. Ah. Oh. On your next inhale, extend the arms toward your front. Stretching through the fingers, give them a gentle wiggle. And on your next inhale, curl the toes under to lift the knees and send the hips high for a downward facing dog. When you were teaching the class that I was taking, I really liked the way you cued us into a pose. And I really felt like I didn't need to see anybody else doing anything. I could even close my eyes and just listen to your words. And I felt like I could move in real time. And I'm wondering if you could tell me a little bit about the skills that, that are involved in cueing and whether there are different philosophies and techniques in cueing. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, that you know, that's, that's like... That's like uh, so this, this really just goes off of the training I got from Yoga for the People. I don't know how other studios teach their teachers, but what I received was it was very much about the quote-unquote dialogue. Like, they will, we will have sessions where you are developing your quote-unquote dialogue, and that is, that is the language that you use to cue. And you really refine that, and you work on it, and you practice it. Everyone kind of has their own individual style, your own individual images. For example, there's an image I, I really like to use uh, with helping people sort of find a long 
like angel wings that are wrapping around their torso like a spoon. And I think just like images that are sort of abstract in that way, it's sort of also funny and fantastic, kind of allow you to lift outside of like the, the reality of being upside down in the yoga studio and just sort of like go somewhere else. And going that somewhere else, and that allows you to kind of really imagine like how to really lengthen your spine. Like I like to just sort of find images that help people get there. And right away, start to make this messy and playful. Be shaking the head yes, shaking the head no, swaying the hips side to side, pedaling through the feet, just bending one leg at a time, noticing what it's like to start your day upside down, feeling the blood rush through your head, just shoot through your arms and your legs. And then let's begin to layer in some foundation, beginning with the hands. Spread the fingers wide, creating an L shape between your thumb and your index finger, so that you're sending weight to the undersides of your knuckles on the palms of your hand and backing off and relieving tension from the wrists. And then shake the head yes, shake the head no, letting go of the space between your eyebrows, letting go of tension in the jaw. And then imagine rotating your armpits in toward one another as you lengthen and expand through the shoulder blades. An image that might be useful is imagining wings sprouting from your spine and wrapping around your torso like a cocoon. And then find a gentle bend to the knees as you explore tilting the pelvis up and down to search for a long spine from the crown of the head through to the sacrum. And upon finding that spine, then begin to gently lengthen through the legs, noticing that heels might not be reaching the floor, and that's okay. If you have to choose between a long supported spine or straight legs with heels on the floor, choose the spine. So the actual practice of finding that cueing that allows people to move through you, move with you and your words in real time, just is sort of practice and learning sort of how to pace out your cueing uh, in such a way that you know that people are going to be moving with you so that you're not getting super ahead of them, you're not lagging behind them, they're not waiting for you for the next thing, or they're maybe not anticipating you're going to do this thing, and you're leading them, and you're like teasing them. Like it's, it's a lot of practice of getting the sort of stuff out, how to piece out your dialogue. If you wanted us to go into warrior pose or put our hand, you know, down on the floor, you didn't say, you wouldn't say put your hand on the floor. Uh, the thing that I like to do now is, is to help people as they're setting up their warrior start with building the foundation from the feet up. So like, and part of that involves like pressing up on your fingertips so that you're backing off of the weight off of your hands and you're starting to send that weight into your feet and your legs so that you can start to feel where you need to set your knee over your front foot, how you need to press into the outside of your pinky toe, that's your back leg, and you already start to engage the muscles in your legs so that by the time you set up your foundation, then I can give you the cue to resurrect your spine as you lift the arms up to find your warrior one. Inhale the right leg up high. And exhale to stamp the foot in between your two front hands. Hold this here as you spiral the back foot down, pressing the outside of the left pinky toe onto the mat. 
mat, finding a 40 degree angle with that back foot, with the back edge of your mat. And then stack your front knee right over your front ankle and tensing up on your fingertips, just start to send weight and strength into your two legs and feet. Take a moment to explore what it's like to rip the mat apart with your two feet. And then on your next inhale, lift the arms up high to resurrect the spine and find a warrior work. And it's just about like working with people as they're sort of stacking their body, you know, and just moving with them so that they can that they can really build their foundation first before they come into the pose. But some some teachers do it differently. Like some teachers don't, you know, want to give less language so that they're not really influencing people to do find their foundation in such a specific way. Like maybe it has to work differently for some people, you know, and that's just the constant journey of being a yoga teacher. Mm -hmm. Is you continue to sort of play and explore all the different ways that you can cue people to find the pose. Has your um has your directing or your choreography methods changed since you completed your yoga teacher training? Yeah, absolutely. And and um I mean I, I do yoga in rehearsal. So, like, I just came out of a, a, a residency where uh, there was a lot of movement and a lot of mind, too. Like, it was, like, we basically, like, would talk about ideas, and then we would, like, translate those ideas into movement. So there was a lot of, like, a lot of thinking and moving that we had to do in this residency, and I just thought we would start every day with some yoga just to, like, give a space for folks to move through a sequence that would be familiar consistently. Like, every single day we would have a consistent yoga warm-up sequence because everything we would do for all the other days of that rehearsal would be completely different and new every day. So I wanted to give people a sense of structure, at least for the warm-up, for their mental, for both like mental energy and physical energy. And then uh, it just kind of grounded us all in the same place that we could do the work that we needed to do. And it also allows you to like really warm up your body in a muscular way and to come into your breath again, like really starting the day with a sense of coming into our breath especially when you live in New York City and, like, getting to work at 10 a.m. at a rehearsal studio is, is can be a very uh, adventurous, stressful, wearying, wearying uh, experience. It's, it's nice to have that moment of yoga as a warm-up. But I, that's on a technical level, but I think also for me, just my vocabulary. Like, I've learned to not talk a lot when I'm directing. Like, just because in yoga, you don't just, like, go on and on and on. I mean, some people do. But I, I don't, that's not, I, I prefer uh, muscular language uh, from the person who I'm taking a class from or how I'm giving language or how I'm, how I'm giving cues. So as a director, like, I just try to be, I try to just not talk a lot. I almost try to even get the actors talking more and then I'm listening to what they're saying and seeing how I can respond to them in a simple way that's just going to, like, offer some specificity to how we're going to adjust things or explore something new. And I, I use phrases like, um, I'm curious if we explore this idea, or like, I'll use a phrase like, let's see what, you know, and, you know, see what happens if we try, if you just walk this way. Like, just, you know, I, and so just kind of making it more about offering, more about exploration, more about let's see what happens. I'm curious if we investigate this idea. What if we press into this idea? What if we make the off? What if we do the off? You know, what's your instinct? And then what is the opposite instinct we could try? Like seeing it all of a place of direction for me, for a large part of rehearsal, is coming from a place of exploration and setting that tone that we can use this space of rehearsal to explore and investigate and try and experiment, which is really what the space of a yoga class.
see what happens if I do this with my downward dog. What happens if I do this today? You know, see what happens. You know, it's, it's, that's kind of a, a big place that I like to come from as a yoga teacher that has really infused my work now as a director and choreographer. Do you, um, do you, um, I know the class I took, you had some music once, once we began the class. Do you typically use music and how do you think about music and how it connects to a yoga practice? And then arriving in a warrior one, open up the arms to peel to the left side for a warrior two. Sending the gaze over the right middle finger, keeping that right knee stacked over the right ankle. Notice if you're leaning forward or arching back and seeing how you can tuck the pelvis underneath your ribs so that your ribs are stacked right over your hips. I mean, I'm teaching classes with music and classes without music, and I, I enjoy both. I, I really just like making a playlist. Like, I really just like, ooh, let's put on, you know, what if I put this Frank Ocean song right after a Fleetwood Mac song? Like, how cool of an experience is that for people in the class to feel these different styles of music? I mean, they're all music that I like and listen to, so there's, like, that common thread with it, and I'm not, you know, they're, like, they're music I like, and I, I put a disco music in there, you know, with halfway in the class when we're doing stuff that's very, um, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna lift the, the heart rate, you know, I'll put a song in there that's gonna be a little more upbeat, uh, and fun, uh, when we get to cool down, I'll put some, like, softer music. I like to see people in a yoga class, like, enjoying the music, to see, like, their head bobbing, or, like, maybe they lip sync a little bit, I think that's cool, uh, I like to create a space for that. I think as a director, I, I also really like music, and I, I try to bring music to plays and with my warm-up. Uh, often, at the start of a rehearsal day, I'll just have music playing as actors, everyone else coming into the room and setting up their stuff and warming up. I just have some Janet Jackson playing, just to sort of, like, already say, like, you know, we're in a space of creativity, and we can shake things off and let things go and, you know, have fun. A moment to check in with that front knee. Is it stacked over the front angle? Is it in front of the foot? Just take a moment and just check in with your alignment, making any adjustments necessary to feel strong and supported in this pose. to lengthen and expand. So do you have any projects right now that you're working on that you, um, you're you excited about? Uh, yes, so I am, so in about a week or so, I'm gonna be in Minneapolis, where I'm assisting uh, the choreographer of uh, a production of that we play called Indecent by Paula Vogel. It's the first regional production of the play since it premiered on Broadway last season. It's a beautiful, play with lots of movement that sort of stems from my Yiddish vocabulary. So this choreographer has been a mentor to me and, and uh, I've just really enjoyed working with him as we dive into some like old Yiddish movement uh, tradition. 
understanding how we can bring those that movement quality into the storytelling. And then after that, I go into rehearsal for a, a, pro, a play I'm directing called Grace or the Art of Climbing by um, a wonderful playwright, Ella Feldman, who actually comes from the circus world and is also a playwright, and her plays are incredibly physical, both on the page and, and in the story. And so this play is about rock climbing, and we are basically doing it in a converted warehouse, and we're uh, transforming this warehouse into a rock climbing gym with mats and nets and ropes, and uh, the actors will be climbing all over the place, and um, I'm just very excited. So. Wow, that sounds fantastic. And it sounds like a lot of careful cueing there as well. Uh-huh. And movement uh, direction. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much. It sounds like it's getting crowded where you are. But I really appreciate that's right. I really appreciate you taking the afternoon to talk with me a little bit about this. I had such a great experience taking your class. And I, I thought it was... Um, you know, it was just really special the way that you communicated um, to those of us, and um, and you connected through your words and through your cueing. So I uh, was very excited about that. So thank you. Thank you so much, Mom. This was so much fun. <laughs> I'm so, uh, so thrilled to get to talk with you. Uh, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Have a wonderful day. Okay. Love, love you. you. Bye bye. You've been listening to a production of My Brain on Endorphins. Special thanks to Owen Kelly for mixing and engineering and for the awesome theme music. Thanks for listening.